Welcome to the Genealogy Happy Hour, a place where new family historians can learn to document their family histories and celebrate their new discoveries. I'm Amy. And I'm Penny. And we're here to help you discover your family tree from the beginning. Welcome to episode 21. Today, we're going to be talking about immigration records. Um, This was from a friend of ours. Um who is looking for information from ship logs and trying to find out what, what ships her ancestors came over and how do yes. you do that? So thanks, Val, for um, suggesting this topic. Um, but first, most important, the wine. Wine choice. The wine. Today we've chosen Neithlinghoff's Chardonnay. It's an unoaked Chardonnay from South Africa. It's a light-bodied, it's um, crisp, it's kind of, kind of got citrusy pear mm-hmm. flavorings, mm-hmm. Um, but it's very light, very easy to drink, and goes great with dinner. Yeah. So. Chicken, fish. It's delicious. Exactly. It's delicious. So we both like that one a yes. lot. And it's from South yes. Africa, so enjoy. We'll have a link to it on our website. Yes. And, uh, and very quickly before we jump into um, immigration records, a kind of, you know, I was going to say what we've been doing, but we've been experiencing holidays and probably not doing too much, although I've been connecting with people um, from the Ancestry DNA a little bit. Mm-hmm. But we've got some research trips coming up and planned that we've been planning over the break. And we do, and, and that's taking us overseas, so we're going to be doing a little immigration mm-hmm. temporarily ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to Vancouver next week to um, meet with a client there and um, do a little research, and then you're going... I'm going to France. Mm-hmm. My son is in Paris for the first half of the first six months of the year so we're going to go over there and not necessarily go to paris but we're going to go to alsace where my grandmother was born and um do a little research i've got a lot of the documents from over there so it's mostly um looking for the homes that they've lived in and taking some pictures and maybe um places where they worked i've got the wonderful thing about the records from alsace is on the um, marriage documents um they list addresses. They list addresses and places of business of the people in the wedding party. Mm-hmm. So lots of information on these forms. So, so um, your so your documented your, your your documented research is pretty complete mm-hmm. on those particular family. So mm-hmm. you're going to go back now and take a little bit broader look at how they lived, where mm-hmm. they lived. Right. That's really cool. right. That's really cool. Yeah. That should be fun. Yeah. So, and your mom going with you? Fun. My parents are going. That's nice. My husband. Okay. And my son will meet us there. Great. So it'll be a little family. And we're going to stay at a little Airbnb in one of the little towns. So we get the full experience. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. That's really cool. Yeah. Okay. So this topic came up at a, an, a perfect time because it's the 125th anniversary of Ellis Island. Mm-hmm. So we thought, of course, we need to talk about Absolutely. immigration records. It's, they're so important for um, for all of us mm-hmm. because we all have, we all can trace our, we, we should be able to get to a point where we trace our, at least one ancestor back to yeah. a, 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 another country. So yeah. we're all immigrants. From somewhere. Point. Yes. And it's just a matter of finding out where and when. Yep. So um, let's just get into it. When did, how do we find out when did they arrive and where did they arrive? So... Just some basic history. Before 1820, there were about 650,000 people arrived in the U.S., mostly from England and Wales area. And then from 1820 to about 1880, 
Another 10 million arrive, mostly northern Europe, England, Scandinavia, um, and then a, a wave of German and Irish. And then between 1880 and 1920, more than 25 million people came into this country. Um, and, th- and this time it's more southern Europe, central Europe, Italy, Hungary, Russia, that that kind of area. And the ports that we normally think of are, of course, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But the major ports were Baltimore, Boston, Detroit, New Orleans, New York, and Philadelphia. And then there were minor ports in a lot of states, Alabama, Alaska, California, Connecticut, Florida, Georgia, Hawaii, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Mississippi, Rhode Island, South Carolina, Texas, Washington, and Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. So if you don't find your ancestor in New York, (laughs) they could have come in from somewhere else. Absolutely, absolutely. And And everyone thinks Ellis Island, of course, first right away. I mean, I know my mother, you know, her father was born in Germany, and she always thought that he came through Ellis Island. Mm -hmm. But in fact, he did not. He came before Ellis Island was... Ten years before Ellis Island was yes. uh, even even created. Yes. So. Well, and then that that gets us into the ports and the times they were open. So Boston, mm-hmm. you know, being up in the um, northeast, was 1630 to about 1750, and Philadelphia was 1682. This mm-hmm. is when they started, and Baltimore opened in 1729, and New Orleans um, was controlled by the French, but they started in 1782, and then the Spanish had them from 17. Whoop, that doesn't make I must have had a typo there. 1762 to 1803, and then it became U.S. Right. Um, now, like you said, New York, Ellis Island was 1892 to about 1924. Mm-hmm. And before that, they would have come in through Castle Garden. Correct. Yeah. 1855 to 1890. So you really want to have those dates mm-hmm. in mind. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, On when you're looking, especially if you're going to a particular port's website if they have a database mm-hmm. um, both castle garden and ellis island have their own websites so we'll it's talk easy about to those find. in a minute yes yeah. and there is if you're wondering um castle garden closed in 1890 and ellis island opened in 1892 and you're mm-hmm. like oh well, well my guy mm-hmm. came over in 1891 mm-hmm. well they were still coming in mm-hmm. but they had to use an old barge office right in in that in between time until ellis island was mm-hmm. ready to open so those records are there what are we going to find, Amy, when we when we find our ancestor listed in one of these documents? If, right. In order for you to really research your ancestors in Europe, you need to know exactly where they came from in a particular European towns. So one of the, that's one of the things that these immigration records, especially the later immigration records, tell us is um, the last the place of last residence, um, but. Um, on most immigration records, at the very least, you're going to get a name, you're going to get an age, uh, possibly a country of, uh, of origin or where, where they came from. You're going to get where the vessel sailed from at, and the date, usually, mm-hmm. hopefully, and then the date when it arrived at the port in the U.S. Um, and as I said, in the later um, immigration records, passenger manifest, you're going to find um, age, occupation, nationality, and ethnicity. That could be mm-hmm. two different things. Mm-hmm. Last residence, destination within the U.S. with a relationship of who they're, they're meeting here in the U.S., who paid for the passage, um, how much money they had on them when they were arriving, 
possibly the number of bags that they were carrying as well, mm-hmm. uh, and any health issues or disabilities that they had. Right. I think that's so great if you have um, an ancestor that is between that time frame, it's about 1890 to 1950 something. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get a lot more information. Information. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Especially the the thing I like the most is the, do they have a relative in the U S like, where are they going? Who is the person they're going to meet? Absolutely. That is such a huge clue. Yes. To do you have the right right person? And then when you have that address then you need to go to the census prior to the entry and census after that entry and see if that, if those immigrants are now living in that same, Mm -hmm. at that same address and Mm -hmm. find out everyone who's living at that address. Yeah. And also looking at the family group, you find your, maybe, you know, your great grandfather, your grandfather's name, who else is above him and below him traveling, possibly traveling with him. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, even if it's not a family member, there may be somebody else from the same town, Mm -hmm. you know? And so you might find that other, that person in a census, and that will help you find that grouping because they tended to, immigrants tended to live in the same, com, you know, create a community that was similar to the one that they right, left. So right. all great clues. Yes. Um, and remember, especially during this time period when you have a lot more information on a manifest, it's going to be two pages. So when you pull it up in a database and you find your ancestor with their name and then a bunch of information next to it, always click the arrow and go to the next page. And even look at the page before because additional information continues on that next page. So Mm -hmm. just find the line number of your ancestor and continue to that next page. And there'll be additional tons of additional information on the next page. Look for those two pages. Right. Okay. So that's what we're going to find when we find these records. Right. We have to find the records. Yes. Well, How are we going to find these records? It's it's easy and it's difficult. I mean, this, <laughs> um, we definitely, as good genealogists, we want to do a very thorough job in looking at <clears throat> in every place. Now, the short answer to that is the National Archives holds all of the passenger records for the United States. So the National Archives has, has them all on microfilm. However, there are some great online databases mm-hmm. that have popped up that have digitized many of the records. Not all the records are digitized, right. but many are digitized. Yes, not so, all are digitized. Right. <laughs> so, so if you can't find it on, on one of these, you've scoured everything on the internet, every port possible, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean they're not out there. Right. So we're going to kind of take you through um, our approach to looking for these records first online using those online resources, mm-hmm. which makes it easier for us, but we still want to make sure we do a thorough job. And at the end of the day, if you, you can't find anything online, you're going to go to the national archives on website and you're going to look for all of the, um, microfilm that pertain to the port of entry where you believe your ancestor came in from. And then you're going to pull those records and look at those films. So it's a long process. Right. All right. Well, let's start at the beginning right, so and let's start at the beginning. Okay. So the obvious choice <laughs> is going to ancestry probably or family search. Exactly. Family search and ancestry. That's where I would go first. That's where you would go first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now we kind of differ on which one we like best. We do. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so I seem to have better luck mm-hmm. and it's easier for me mm-hmm. to find my records on Family search. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I can, I, and one example is my Frederick or Friedrich Freitag and mm-hmm. his family who came over in 1851 on the Bremen Bark Ella. I can find that right away on family mm-hmm. search. Mm-hmm. It's right there. Mm-hmm. 
I can't find it on Ancestry. Mm-hmm. And mine is the opposite. My um, grandfather, Herman Awe, I cannot find him on... He doesn't come up when I just type in his name uh, in family search, but his um, passenger list is there in Ancestry. So, which is why put those searches in for both. You have to do both. For both. And don't limit it to just the main person who's coming over. Put Mm -hmm. everybody in that family group in Mm -hmm. and see if they pop. Right. Names might be spelled differently. I know um, on my, the Friedrich Frey tag, you know, they're all in German. F-R-E-I-T-A-G. All the children's names are spelled very German. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the records I have later in census records, they're a little more Americanized, I guess, you know, um, fried tag is now spelled F R E Y T A G, T A G. And so we've got to watch out for the spelling, but everything matches up when you look at the names, it's, it's clear in the order that they're in and everything. Right. You compare that family group, you you compare the family group, the ages are there, Mm -hmm. the names are spelled close enough that you can figure out that, yes, this is that, this is the same family group. They're coming from the same area. So our, our, I guess our first suggestion is look at ancestry. And look in um, family search. Mm-hmm. And even if you find well, who you're looking for the first time out in Ancestry or the first time out in family search, go to the other one and look again. Because you might find another entry for them. A lot of immigrants didn't come over once. Mm-hmm. But they came over, they worked, they went back. So you might find um, the husband or a single man coming over, working, right. going back, getting married, bringing a wife over. A lot of Italians came over at the turn of the century, an early 20th century, came here to Florida, worked in the sugarcane industry, and would go back to Italy, mm-hmm. take all the money that they had, had earned here, and then maybe bring over family members next time. Mm-hmm. So they constantly went back and forth. They almost used yes. it as you know, um, seasonal labor, and then would go back to Italy. And yes. Live, so. And my grandfather did that. He worked on a ship, actually, several passages back and forth right. to make enough mm-hmm. money to bring his wife and children over and then mm-hmm. ended up in the coal mines in West Virginia. Right. Thinking that was going to be a great life. Mm-hmm. That was not. It was not. Mm. <laughs> it was not. But so, um, so look in both. Right. Now, when you're looking in both, and we need to, and we'll, I guess we'll reiterate this later too, but write down, look at the parameters of the database mm-hmm. you're, you're checking in Ancestry and in Family Search. They will tell you which NARA, National Archives, microfilm that they're referencing. Yes. There are several. There are, there are several microfilms for each port. So write down the microfilm that you're checking at that mm-hmm. time because at the end, we want you to go back to, to the National Archives and check to see which microfilm you have not checked yet. Well, th- and this is one thing I love about Family Search. If mm-hmm. you've got the record up there and you're mm-hmm. looking at it and you can print it off, mm-hmm. um, down at the bottom of that page, you can click for the citation, mm-hmm. which and you right. can print that as well. Yes. And you can That's print great. it on the same page, or I, I do it on the back of the page. Mm-hmm. So I do a two-sided page mm-hmm. with the document on the front and the That's citation on the back. Um, that way you don't have to write all that down. It's right there. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so just keep, keep track of the of which microfilms yes. you're using because that's going to be important in your search. And this is where we can go back to the research log, which we've talked about mm-hmm. in a previous podcast and should talk about in every one, that you need to keep that research log for this. And keep a, a research log for each ancestor that um, you are researching specifically for their immigration. Okay, so... Um, 
All right, so after Ancestry and Family Search. Right. Those are the first go-tos, obviously. I would say the second one would be the Ellis Island and mm-hmm. Castle Garden. Yes. Uh, yes. Their own specific yes. um, now the websites. Ca- the Castle Garden has a, a good web, a, a good database. Now, you're not going to get images there. You're mm-hmm. just going to be able to put in either the vessel or the um, ancestor's name, mm-hmm. and it will pop up, and it will show you what they have populated in the database. So right. If you know, know the vessel, you'll get the vessel name, you'll get the arrival date, but you won't get actual images. So it's a good place to start. Right. Another um, good place or, uh, to go to is www.stevemorse.org. And he, on his page, has connections to the Ellis Island site, Ancestry Family Search, Castle Garden, as well as the Baltimore, Boston, Galveston, New Orleans, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Hamburg, and Canadian border crossings. And so uh, when you get onto his page, these are all listed down the left-hand side. And you would, um, they have, you can look up by the ship, you can get the manifest, um, or just the, the regular look up by your ancestor's name. So you would you pick the ones you want or do all of them if you're really doing an exhaustive search. Mm-hmm. And they will take you either to the, um, you, you click on that, they take you to a page where you fill in the information of your ancestor's name, everything that you possibly do know about your ancestor that you're looking for. And that will link you to the ancestry um, results, the family search results, right. castle garden results, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really like that site. And especially if you have a ship name, mm-hmm. um, then you can go to that ship log and and look mm-hmm. through it mm-hmm. in that direction. Mm-hmm. And I've had better luck using the Ellis Island uh, website, which you do have to sign into mm-hmm. to, to be able to access everything. It's, a, it's free. It's free. Yeah, it's free. But um, when, I know that when I've put the ancestor's name in the Ellis Island database, I don't have much luck popping out those names, but when I do search by the vessel name and when I do pull up that manifest and you go page by page by page, uh, you will find what you're looking Mm -hmm. for there. Mm -hmm. So don't get frustrated and go away uh, from Ellis Island if you can't find your ancestor by name. Look by vessel. Yes, and And sometimes you have to plan. I'm going to spend a day going through these ship manifests and and Mm -hmm. trying to find your ancestor. And also keep in mind when you are going by the ship's manifest, that sometimes there there be group. The vessel may have started in Hamburg, or it may have started someplace in um, uh, Scandinavia, mm-hmm. and then stopped in Liverpool, mm-hmm. and then gone on to the United States. So they may have all those those passengers that were just going to Liverpool mm-hmm. in a certain part of the section section of the <clears throat> excuse me the manifest, and then were, those who were going on to New York in another part. So you really have to be looking at the top what port of what port was it right. stopping at. Right. Okay, so those are some good places to look. Amy, you've got a couple books that um, are, will be helpful. Yeah, I, I do. I think uh, we've talked about this book uh, in the past, and I think it's already on our website. It is. Um, a Researcher's Guide to American Genealogy by Val Greenwood. Excellent book. Anyone who's doing American Genealogy should have a copy or have one in, a, in the library near you. And he covers uh, immigration in Chapter 24 um, also, and it references um, all of the um, National Archives microfilm for the different ports. 
Um, another great book, um, it's, which is a little dated now, uh, it was published in 1993 prior to all of the databases that are online now, but again, this is a great book. It's called American Passenger Arrival Records by Michael Tepper. And it also uh, is a great reference to those uh, National Archives uh, microfilm and gives background on um, arrival records and um, customs passenger lists, um, basically everything you, you would want to know about um, those records and what to expect in those records. Okay, and we'll put that one up on our website okay, as yeah. well. Great. Okay, so... Oh, and you know what? Don't forget the Canadian border. Oh, my gosh. So important. Right. So important. Um, because I'm going to Canada next week, so I'm going right. to be crossing that border. That's right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, a lot, especially um, immigrants coming from the United Kingdom, would go to mm-hmm. Canada first mm-hmm. uh, and then come in by train. Um, I've even found... Um, Eastern European um, Jewish immigrants coming in through Canada first as well. So look at those. Don't forget those Canadian border yes, crossings. Yes, my um, husband's uh, great grandfather came in on uh, from Canada from on Canada, a train. Yeah, and that's right. and I found that because I found his naturalization papers and it listed how he came mm-hmm. over. And right. then I was able to get those mm-hmm. um, documents mm-hmm. that way. Other we had no idea. Nobody had any idea how he came in. Right. So that was really right. fascinating. And sometimes those Canadian border crossings are two pages. So always make sure mm-hmm. you always make sure you double, you go back and forth. Same thing with naturalization. You might find that petition, but look for the, um, look for the other documents as well. Mm-hmm. The oath of allegiance, you know, click back and forth and look at those pages before and after, mm-hmm. especially if you're looking online. All right, so a lot of things to remember when you're searching, a lot of things to look for. Use your research log, um, track the National Archive film numbers, and look for both pages. Did we we want to add anything else about looking at the National Archive's um, website? You go to the website, and you will be able to determine what... uh, Go to the website or or reference either of these two reference books Mm -hmm. to find all of the microfilm related to those particular ports and then you can access them either at a national archives look near you the nearest one to you mm-hmm. um check your local library though a lot of them have some of these already there that or they can order them for you that and um you know look for those abstracted records as well there's been a lot of, of passenger lists that have been abstracted over the years mm-hmm. so check your local library check the um, family history library as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. Uh, to see if they have um books that could maybe be at a local history center. Um, and um, if you do find the passenger list, this is something else that has happened to me. I found a passenger list for, for a woman who came in from um, Finland, but she was a Swede that was living, a Swede that was living in Finland. And I could not make out the, where she was from, the, the name of the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what I did was I took a, the digital image and I emailed it to a uh, genealogist who is a member of the Association of Professional Genealogists. So I, I emailed it to a professional genealogist in Stockholm and I said, would you mind, can you just read the name this of that word. city, that yeah. one word for yeah. me, <laughs> because you're more familiar with these words than I am. Can you just tell me what that city is? And perhaps the name has changed. And they were very. She was very kind. She came right back, and she did. She she gave me the name, and she told me that this is the the name is in Swedish. This is the name in, in Finnish, and um, you know, and didn't charge me anything for it. Just nice. it was a real quick thing that she could do. So I would say reach out to someone, uh, a professional genealogist, 
either in Europe or at the, you could send an email to the um, Family History Library in Salt mm-hmm. Lake City. Mm-hmm. Um, the black bottom two floors of that library, they have just um, international records, and someone there can perhaps trans- translate that for you. And then that will just open up a whole then world for you as to where you need to look. Yes, and genealogists your- are very helpful. I think everybody is really willing to help, Absolutely, which is great. Um, um, we should talk, mention just outbound records too. I mean, you know, most of the records we see are the passenger list when they arrive here in the United States. Correct. So, um, some countries do have outbound passenger lists. Mm-hmm. Germany, um, some Scandinavian countries for some periodic periods. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're sporadic. Um, Ireland really does not. So, but do check for those because there might be some additional information, even if it's in another language. Again, you can have that translated, and that might help you give. Uh, get some more information too. Yes, that's a good good thing to do. All right, and don't forget to do some continuing education this year. Sign up for some webinars, take some classes, join your local um, uh, genealogical society, Mm -hmm. get some more education. Oh, and one thing that John Coletta, I know, would um, recommend for us all is to check the newspapers as well. Absolutely. Check the newspapers around the time that your ancestor's vessel arrived to the port. Uh, because you can see they usually would post arrivals in the newspaper. So you could see if your ancestor's vessel arrived late and perhaps the reason why, whether it was it weather related, was it mechanical problem? You know, you mm-hmm. can find out how, you know, that gives you a little bit more insight into the type of passage that your ancestor had. Yeah. Was it an easy passage? Was it a difficult passage? It'll also give you an idea of what kind of weather, you know, what, what the weather was like, mm-hmm. what the community was like. And, you know, really um, what the conditions were when your ancestor arrived here in the United, in, in the U.S. for the first time. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. gives you a little bit broader perspective yeah. of, you know, your ancestor's first experiences here in the new yeah. world. So There's so much information out there. If you just look in little nooks and crannies and you put it all together, you get a big mm-hmm. picture of what, what really happened. All right. Don't forget your libraries. Yes. They're very helpful. Local local genealogy mm-hmm. and history libraries, absolutely. Yeah. And um, But always go back to those uh, National Archives mm-hmm. publications absolutely. and make sure that you have, have looked in, in all of them. Well, I hope we helped you uh, come up with some ideas on how to research your ancestors, their immigration, and I hope you have great success finding someone who's come over and if you have a topic you would like us to discuss on a future podcast or any questions or any questions feel free to email us at genealogyhappyhour at gmail.com or post it on facebook or you can email us through our website check out our website Mm -hmm. check out our website for these books we mentioned today and until next time Cheers. cheers Thank you for listening. Please email us with any questions or comments at genealogyhappyhour at gmail.com. Visit our website, www.genealogyhappyhour.com, for additional resources, books, and wines. Don't forget to drink responsibly. And never drink around genealogical documents.